say one time around is all you get but i'm still dancing so you lost your bet welcome to backtracks aerosmith revisited my name is Corey morissette joined as always by my good buddy from long island st john mariano how are you i am f-i-n-e fine how are you oh very nice that that's the song i'm hoping for tonight now that you said i love me some f-i-n-e fine that's some great shit right there speaking of great shit we had a great song uh from pump already currently residing on the mixtape uh, we had the other side finally. It's been late, sitting on the dice since episode one, actually episode zero, if you go way back. And uh, we finally got it in. Man, was it worth it? Yeah, it's it, it's gonna be a problem for me. This this whole pump situation. The more I think about it, and how pump really informed my early uh, or imprinted on me Aerosmith at a young age. Um, I, we gotta try to make sure that this mixtape doesn't end up being very pump heavy, because it very easily could be. You know what? I, I think I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident in myself that I can only keep the pump tracks to one, maybe two out of eighteen. You think about eighteen out of this catalog, it's very daunting. And you, I'm even thinking of songs like "Does Walk This Way" make the mixtape when you only have eighteen of them to go right? Like, you know, those are the conversations we're going to get into. There's going to be some big, big songs left off this sucker. So let me ask you because there is the big "Walk This Way" elephant in the room. And, you, you know, very famously, Run DMC recorded with Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Is that an Aerosmith song? It, technically, no, right? It's a Run DMC song that features Joe Perry and Steven Tyler. Correct. You know, the more I thought about it, that's technically not going to be eligible for our mixtape because it doesn't end up on an actual Aerosmith album or official release. That's right. And, you know, it, I wouldn't have put that version on anyway when I was thinking about the dozens of versions on official releases out there as much as i love that song i'm thinking there might be a live cut of walk this way that i would put on before then you see and this is this is where i get i get a little personal because as a new yorker right and and aerosmith being a boston-born band injecting a little bit of new york with run dmc in there is just the kind of love i need yeah you know and you know there is a loyalty there you know, and, and baseball is right around the corner and there's rivalries and all this other stuff that doesn't belong on this show necessarily. <laughs> but, but you know, from my point of view, the, the run DMC would have been an interesting debate for you and I to have. Unfortunately, it's a moot point. And I just wanted to get that out there for the audience so that way they know what to expect and not expect is that as long as it's, it, you know, officially a release by Aerosmith, it could end up being like a, on a soundtrack only, for instance, and we discover it. Mm-hmm. And that can be included, even though it was never on an official Aerosmith album. So we don't know what, like where, where this is going, but we know it's going to be an official Aerosmith mixtape. That's right. And actually, I was thinking, if one of my songs get picked tonight, John, the cut I'm picking is going to be from a soundtrack. Oh, interesting. It's, yeah, it's going to be one I kind of forgot about for a while. So, but, so, uh, so, so I'll tease this. We, we, we know that I, I get a song like every 11 episodes or so pretty much yeah so 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 when my song eventually hits i'm gonna break the first cover because we have you know i was looking through it over the last week and we have a few covers we have to get through and it'd be nice to get some songs not written by aerosmith but performed and released by them out there and in consideration for the mixtape 
Well, I will say this. Technically, we already have a cover on the mixtape because Let the Music Do the Talking was originally written and recorded by the Joe Perry Project, not Aerosmith. Oh. So if you want to get technical by the letter of the law, I believe Let the Music Do the Talking would be qualified as a cover. So you're saying you even beat me to that punch. <laughs> yep. I, I just got to shoot down everything you threw up there, buddy. That, that is that is well played. You are the Dikembe Mutombo <laughs> of, of, of our little podcast here. Locked. Exactly right. All right. And speaking of the podcast, speaking of the songs, let's maybe go through what's currently on the dice. Uh, we kind we of ended on a down note last show uh, with, with Jailbait. I uh, don't think that one's going to be living long on the, uh, on the old uh, mixtape. Uh, we've got uh, six really good songs on there right now. They are Chip Away the Stone, Rats in the Cellar, You Gotta Move, Permanent Vacation, Walk on Water, and Sick as a Dog. It has been so long since I've added a song to this thing that I don't remember which ones are mine at this point because they all feel like they're yours. <laughs> uh, you know what? Uh, your songs were Rats in the Cellar, Permanent Vacation, and I believe it's sick, sick as a Dog. Did you specify if it was the live bootleg version of Sick as a Dog, or where was that coming from? I think I, I think I just threw it out there. So we can, as the dice hit, make, make a determination if we want to do our first live track. Okay, because uh, that is my first introduction to that song was on live bootleg, and I, I yeah. love that version so, of so, it. So. So, so, so let's just call that the live version okay. in case that hits, because we haven't done a live track yet. That's right. That sounds good. And then I'll, I'll put the first soundtrack uh, once my song gets chosen. But what do you say, John? Should we roll the dice and see what comes up? Yeah. All right, here we go. Rolling the dice and we get Rats in the Cellar. It's a John Mariano track. And Look a at this. damn good one at that, too. I'm kind of excited about this. This is, uh, you know, I, I used to make mixtapes for, for my friends and for myself, and I would always play Toys in the Attic and Rats in the Cellar back-to-back -back on those mixtapes. It just felt like, for a lot of reasons, just even um, how the titles played together, that those songs belonged together, at least to me. And, and, and this feels a little bit like the antithesis of Toys in the Attic. And well, uh, yeah, go ahead, exactly. Corey. And they were uh, recorded back to back, right? Uh, to uh, Rocks came out uh, May 76, uh, Toys in the Attic, uh, which we did No More Nor From, was uh, you know, 1975, April 1975. So it was the next album. Uh, like, yeah. we, like we talked about with toys, kind of peak Aerosmith. Uh, they kind of rode that wave uh, into Rocks because Rocks is another absolute classic album. You, you talk to guys like like Slash, and and they'll tell you that you know Rocks was the album that really got him into music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things things like that make make, make me wish I was about a decade earlier because I could have experienced it in real time. Yeah, you, know, you know, like I, I alluded to earlier, like P Pump was my introduction to the band, and I had a um, my buddy's cousin moved into my neighborhood around that time and he introduced toys in the attic and rocks and, and several other seventies um, albums to us from other bands, you know, and really introduced us to what was classic rock at the time, which now apparently music from after I stopped listening to music is now considered classic rock. So, so uh, that's how ancient we are now, Corey. It certainly feels ancient. I know uh, rocks was an album that I didn't get into until much later. Uh, into kind of my love affair with, with Aerosmith. Uh, even though there's some classic songs in this album, like Back in the Saddle, uh, Last Child, Combination, a uh, great Joe Perry tune, uh, Sick as a Dog, actually. Uh, if we wanted the studio cut, that comes off of Rocks. Uh, Nobody's Fault, Licking a Promise. Really some, some good crap on here, but uh, Rats in the Cellar. Um, 
kind of, and, and I, they meant this, I, I believe, kind of intentionally. It's kind of the antithesis of toys in the attic, right? Because if you have toys in the attic, you're going to have rats in the cellar. So thematically, they're going for something a little dirtier, something a little, a uh, little more down low than than what toys in the attics brought them. That's why I wanted to put this track on. Um, I don't know if it makes the final mixtape. I know what we're getting with this, but it's one I'm going to fight tooth and nail to make it hang on it for as long as possible because this is constantly in my rotation. Um, you know, I have I have my little iTunes playlist, and I'm listening to this all the time, even though it's on shuffle. My my, my devices always seem to find this. Fantastic song from a fantastic album. I'm just looking at some of the trivia here. Rocks was one of Kurt Cobain's favorite albums. Uh, it was listed uh, 176 on Rolling Stones magazine's list of 500 greatest albums of all time. Um, it dropped to 366 in the 2020 revised list, but it's still there. Um, another one of Nikki Six's favorites, James Hetfield's identified Rocks as a great song. So uh, Slash, like I mentioned, it really uh, influenced a, a lot of tremendous artists, this album. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to digging into some rats in the cellar. What do you say, John? Should we give it a spin? I think I think it's time. Let's let, let's uh, let's share it with the audience and see what we think. All right, here we go, folks. This is Rats in the Cellar from 1976's Rocks. Love that dual guitar at the beginning, right? Got a little Brad, got a little Joe in there, and just that back and forth. That's what I love about two guitar players, right? They can play off each other. Well, it, it, it sounds almost like, like, like a spaceship landing at first. And, and then you get the two driving guitars. And this is one of my favorite openings to an Aerosmith song. And one of my favorite openings to a song is just what you played right there. Like, like, like just chopping off that is like shutting off the, the butt of a, of a roast beef or something. And it's like... You, you got the big burnt end right there of, of tasty, juicy meat. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's get into the meat of the song. Then. Everything that we have there from, from, from you, you know, you know, just the, the cool way Steven Tyler's drag, drag, dragging out the notes there, but then the harmonization too, and, and, and the guitars playing around each other. You know, we, 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 talk, we talked about it a, a little bit when we talked about um, No More, No More, and we're going to talk about it here, like peak Aerosmith work, working at the top of their game, you know, lyrically, um, musically, Corey, Corey, like, how, how are you feeling right now, man? Well, and I, I go back to kind of what I remember Brad Whitford talking about how they recorded this album and they actually took a mobile recording truck uh, and parked it in the rehearsal space and just let it fly. Like there wasn't a lot of overdubbing or anything. It was just the five of them in a room jamming this shit out because at this point, like they were so finely tuned as a band, they could just grab a song and just crank it out and put it on an album and it turned into something like Rats in the Cellar. Uh, originally called Tit for Tat. Uh, I guess back in the day. Um, but yeah, Brad Whitford would say they had the beginnings of the last child, nobody's fault. Um, sick as a dog. 
and this song Tit for Tat, which became Rats in the Cellar. These were all basic tracks they cut uh, with this mobile uh, production truck just sitting in the rehearsal space. So there wasn't like how they record albums now, right? Where it's five guys, they all have their separate rooms. They all lay the tracks down separately and they mix them all together. Uh, Jack Douglas really had it easy. Just turn the mics on and let the band play. And this is what you get. You get classic rock and roll. Yeah, and Tit for Tat, like it, it makes a lot of sense, especially if the lyrics weren't written yet. Um, because it really feels like, like Whitford and Perry are going tit for tat on the guitars right now, trying trying a little bit of one-upsmanship as, as they're going, and and uh, it 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 plays it plays real hard. I, I really dig this band. Well, and lyrically, uh, we're far away from Toys in the Attic, right? We got go, uh, going under rats in the cellar, going under skins turning yellow, noises run noses runny, losing my connection, losing money, getting no affection. You know, we're 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 we're, we're deep into it here, and I, the band was doing a lot of drugs uh, at this point too. Uh, my favorite uh, Joe Perry quote, I just saw it here. Uh, Joe Perry says, there's no doubt we were doing a ton of drugs by then, but whatever we were doing, it was still working for us. <laughs> and, and he was right. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Until we get into the Draw the Line album, which a lot of the band members don't remember even recording. They were so <laughs> screwed up at that point. But let's keep going with Rats in the Cellar. Now, you talked earlier, John, about being a New York boy. Uh, here we have some very kind of New York-specific lyrics, right? New York City do's, East Side, West Side news, throw me in the slam, catch me if you can. Are you feeling some nostalgia for, for Rats in the Cellar? I, I am. I was almost going to ask you to break into this right now. It's a, I'm glad you brought it up. That it, it really paints a picture of, of 1970s New York. And you can see a lot of that in movies to a degree. And New York, New York you know, not that they've cleaned it up, but, but they've definitely cleaned it up somewhat since the 1970s and um it, it was really a dirty grimy feel to the city you, you know it when when filmmakers wanted to film in new york they would say I, I want my movie to feel real and 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 there was a grittiness to it and there's a grittiness to the song you know lyrically but 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 just just the instrumentals are very gritty too and it kind of you know, I, I don't know 100%, but I don't think this song's ever been used in that way to kind of set th the 70s look and feel of New York. And it, it, it would be good because this song really paints the picture. And, and to sit there and do like maybe like the Soprano, when they did the Sopranos show or something like that. And if you do something like a flashback of, of that time, but you do like the New York or, or even the Jersey side of things, it sets that setting for you. Like it does. I don't know how you feel, you know, you, you know as an outsider from New York, but like do, from what you've seen of New York, does it kind of paint that picture for you? Absolutely. The most uh, realistic version I think I've ever seen of New York is uh, Johnny Dangerously, that movie, uh, even though that's set in the thirties, that's how I picture New York. Uh, so when I, when I listen to rats in the cellar, it brings me back to, to Johnny Dangerously and the gangster in the baby uh, stroller popping up with the Tommy gun, 
uh, firing at people. Isn't that kind of how, how New York is all the time? Uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, paint you, I'll paint you a quick picture. We'll, we'll get a little sidetracked here for a minute. <laughs> but, you, you know, about 10 years ago or so, Siri was a relatively new thing. And I, I had gotten my first iPhone. And my buddy and I were looking for a bar. I'm like, here, let me try, let me try this phone thing and see if I can get the directions. So I, I pressed the button. And I'm like, hey, Siri, where is this bar? And nine people yelled at me. It's two blocks down and around the corner. And it was the <laughs> most New York experience that you could possibly have. And my buddy was from Pittsburgh, and he was like, he was like, "Wow." I'm like, "Yeah, welcome, welcome to New York." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Rats in the cellar could be the the city's national anthem, I would think. Yeah. All right, let's keep it rolling. I just want to point out that uh, you can't really hear Tom much in the mix, but Tom and Brad are going to town uh, on this song. And uh, this is an album by all accounts where they had more input. Maybe it's because Joe and Steven were a little more screwed up at this point on drugs. I'm not sure, but Tom and Brad had a lot of input uh, and it was a big, like rock loud album. They wanted to be unapologetic, brash, rude, sexual, hardcore. Those are words that are kind of thrown out when you describe rocks. And that's very much a, a Brad and Tom influence. You, you had some great Joe Perry uh, soloing on top of there, but it was really that rhythm section that, that kind of made that section for me. It, it is. And I, I, th I think the other thing is it's complemented really well. We don't talk enough about what a mean harmonica Steven Tyler plays. And, right. and even though he's not singing here, he is wailing away on that harmonica, something vicious. And, and, and normally when you see a harmonica, you don't picture it being associated with words like vicious but it's vicious it's a vicious harmonica we just listened to that's right and you're right he is a, a vicious harmonica player all right let's keep it rolling here now when he sings east side west side blues is that west side story i, I just watched that movie uh with, with the jets and the sharks is that what he's referring to and do all uh, does new york city split into two gangs and they meet up every once in a while and, and, and do a big like 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 dance rumble type thing. Well, well, it is broken up into an east and west side of of, of, of New York City, and and it's indicative of 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 the street you're on, right? Like you're 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 on the east side or the west side, and a lot of that also has to do with, with like Central Park, because Central Park is such a huge piece in New York City, and on you you have, you have the east side, Central Park East and Central Park West, right? And you can be on either side of the park. Right, and, and it goes throughout the whole island because Manhattan's an island. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, so it is broken up that way. It's not you. I mean, there are gangs in New York. Daniel Day Lewis made a whole movie about it, sure. but 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 I don't think his gang was on the west side. I don't remember him snapping fingers. In that but was movie. he a shark or a jet in, in I, gangs in New York? I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, he he drinks milkshakes. Well, I thought that was a different movie. I'm really confused. I got to find myself a movie a trivia program somewhere and learn some of this stuff
This is some of the meanest bass we've heard. We, we've heard yet. Like this ba- this bass line that we're getting here, I feel like is a defining moment for the band in a lot of ways. And the more I'm listening to this song and, and, and these five men putting it all to to the mat, this is a defining Aerosmith song in a lot of ways. Like they're all they're all shining. Well, and, and this is late seventies Aerosmith, right? Like, uh, you know, band's a little more jaded. Actually, uh, I'm reading a quote here by Steven Tyler, who in his memoir said, "In real life, uh, Rats was more like what was actually going on. Things were coming apart. Sanity was scurrying south. Caution was flung to the winds, and little by little, the chaos was permanently moving in. And, and you can hear that. You can hear it, but there's a, there's a controlled chaos still, right? Like they're, they're not fully off the rails yet. No, they, that, they, that would come next album." Right, and, and I think I think that's why I'm looking at this as like songs on this album are going to be big, big prize fighters in the, in, the, in this battle. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 you you've kind of said it like like there's a reason why it influences so many of, of the rock gods out there, right? Um, you, you know, let's uh, let's see how this plays out. But God, I'm I'm really digging this track. You know, some of the tracks on the mixtape currently, we talked about how the the uh, the outro kind of came kind of suddenly or it was like mixed for radio. We talked about that with Let the Music Do the Talking. You know, it was yeah. cut to that perfect radio. We're not getting that here. We're getting a nice extended uh, outro with the band here, and it's fantastic. That is how you end a song. Big bombastic ending. Joey going to town on those drums, even a little hi hat tap just at the end. So they just kind of punctuate it. Loved it. Absolutely loved that outro. I'm going to say something controversial, I think, Corey. Uh oh. This is is the best Aerosmith sandwich we've had. And by that, I mean the best intro and outro on a song, not just combination, but the best intro. And the best outro so far. You know what? Uh, I'm kind of partial to the other side, how that comes in with the mm-mm-mm. And I'm kind of partial to shut up and dance because you got a whistle and you got a nice riff. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it's up there. I don't know if I would say it's the best one we've had thus far. I, 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 I did lead off with it's a controversial call. <laughs> and you know what? I have to listen to the other songs to say definitively, but... Uh, it certainly belongs in the conversation. I will give you that for sure. But 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 I would encourage anybody who's listening to, uh, you, you know, tweet about it and, and let us know what your your favorite intros and outros are to this point, because I think that's a conversation worth having. Absolutely, and and, and we've been getting some some good uh, conversation started with uh, with people listening on the show. So please keep that up. Uh, the Twitter handle is at dt aerosmith. Uh, let us know your thoughts on the songs. Uh, I know what Stephen Tyler would say about this one, and he would say, "But I certainly like the song. I liked it a lot." 
I think he does like it a lot. This is actually the, uh, I'm looking at um, Aerosmith tour statistics and this rats in the cellar is their 27th most played song on tour. Uh, last time they played it was they did a residency in Las Vegas, uh, 1990 into 2020. Uh, and they played it there. Now, of course, Aerosmith announcing uh, for their 50th, they're going to do an extended uh, residency in Vegas again, I think June all the way through to December uh, for their 50th. So uh, I'm pretty, pretty confident in betting that uh, Rats in the Cellar will find its way on a few set lists, set lists oh, I, there. I definitely agree with you. Um, I, I will say, as much, as much as I enjoy this track, um, it, it is a track that I, I think it might be a little bit too hard for our sponsor, uh, Pop Rock and Radio. Oh, um, I forgot the sponsor. No, 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 you didn't forget it. You didn't forget <laughs> it. We, 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 we just talked about the sponsor now. Um, so, so get, 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 Ken Napsock does this great show um, Wednesday nights, um, Saturday, Saturday nights, and occasionally now he's saying maybe, maybe some Friday nights too. Ooh. It does about two hours or so of, of, of curating playlists, DJing. Um, if, if, you're part, if you're part of his Mixed Cloud, you can go ahead and participate, and, and do, he takes live requests. He takes requests for, for, from, from, from his listeners. But, um, yeah, I think, th- I think this one might be a little bit too hard for Ken's playlist, man. You know what we're going to have to ask him? Uh, yeah. I, I'm assuming as our sponsor, he listens to every show and, uh, and, and gives you detailed notes on what he would like to see changed. He, he, he does. I, I, I do one of those, like, it's, it's almost like if I were running a TV show and I get, I get notes from the censor, I, I go, yes, yes, yes. And I do a little crumple ball and throw it over the shoulder as I walk out. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, he does. He does. He gives, he gives very detailed and diligent notes that I do not appreciate enough. Yeah, and that's why I, I forgot maybe to, to mention him off the hop. But an, another group we should mention, John, is that uh, we're, pot, we're part of a, a podcasting network. Um, the fine folks at the Deep Dive Podcasting Network have invited us on board. Uh, so you can find our show along with all the other great podcasts on the Deep Dive Podcasting Network. And they are, uh, of course, you can find and the podcast will rock. Um, everyone's favorite Van Halen podcast, uh, co-hosted by yours truly and Mark Kamire, uh, breaking down the Van Halen catalog. We also have a Sabbath Bloody podcast, a great podcast on Black Sabbath. Uh, Skinnered Reconsidered, uh, one of my favorite uh, titled podcasts of all time. Uh, the Deep Purple podcast, T-Bone's Prime Cuts. He does some tremendous interviews on that show. Uh, In the Lap of the Pods, another one of my favorite all-time podcast names. They cover Queen, of course. Uh, the Magicians Podcast, they're all uh, in on Uriah Heap. Uh, Hawk Binge, going through the discography of uh, the band Hawk Binge. Maiden A to Z, talking about Iron Maiden, of course. Diary of the Madman, talking about uh, Ozzy, Solo, and uh, Black Sabbath. Uh, Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Podcast. And the Metal Gods Podcast, of course, breaking down all the songs by one Judas Priest. So we're very happy to be on board with, with those fine folks. And uh, by all means, please go check out their shows as well. There's a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah, to quote, to quote Vin Diesel, they're family. So we support <laughs> family around here. That's right. So so go check out those shows. You're going to love them. And thank you for checking out our show. We just threw another another great song in the mixtape, John. That's song number, what, nine? We've currently got, yeah. we're halfway through. Uh, th- this is side eight uh, so far yeah. of the mixtape. Uh, and, of course, show uh, 19 is where things are really going to get interesting. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, it, it, it's getting there, right? Like, we're... we're, we're... Half, half, halfway to where it starts getting controversial and we start knocking things off. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Rats in the Cell is going to be here for a while, man. Uh, it, it's a good one. It gets me excited. It gets me all... What's with the juju bees on your oo-oo bees? 
if you know what I'm saying. I know John knows what he what I'm saying. He can see me on the camera. So I I, I do I do I do I do like your juju bees. Why don't we uh let the good folks go home and we'll talk a little bit more off uh, off uh air about about your juju bees. Sounds good. For my broadcast partner John Mariano, my name is Corey Morrison, and as always, we leave the final word for Mr. Steven Tyler. So